0: When I was but a wee tiki-tike living in a small town just north of New York City, I remember my dad and a few of the older men in the family enjoying a dash of anisette in their after-dinner espresso. One of those Italian traditions imbibed upon by those who always wore a collared shirt to the table, exuded confident indifference, and occasionally leaned towards an uncle for a private joke. Those fellows who want to portray an image. I never did like that flavor combo, anise and espresso. I do, in fact, love a glass of anisette as an aperitif, the best being anise del mono from Spain, not even Italian. We know anise is a prominent flavor in tiki, going back to arguably the first tiki drink, Don the Beachcomber's Zombie. But I never really associated coffee with tiki. Of course, coffee is in no way above being enlightened by the spirit. As a fan of Irish pubs, I've enjoyed a few Irish coffees in my day. Throwing booze into coffee and tea goes back to the era of the ubiquitous flip and nog. But coffee makes total sense in tiki. Think about where tiki and tropical drinks come from. Polynesia and the Caribbean. Two locales that I believe produce the best coffees in the world. Kona from Hawaii and Jamaican Blue Mountain. I discovered the joys of Jamaican coffee on the dining veranda of our hotel in Montego Bay. I was staying there with a close friend for a week of beach-bumming and purge-drinking. During the day, it was jerk chicken or sausage with red stripe and Ray and Nephew coconut and cokes. The evenings brought Appleton Estate and Dragon Stout. In the mornings, though, that was my time of day for reflection. The kind of reprieve I've come to understand can only be found on a tropical island. I would read a little while picking on a breakfast of fresh papaya and melon before my cohort would come down to meet me for the day. Off we went. And of course, there was coffee. Passing through customs, coming home, I learned how serious they are when they sliced open one of my bags of Blue Mountain for inspection. Come to think of it, out of all the people in the small Havana airport, I got stopped there too. I guess I just look like I'm up to no good. They found nothing in those bags of coffee, though at the price of Blue Mountain nowadays, it's worth more than whatever I could have smuggled in. There's a soft richness in Blue Mountain coffee that gives it a roasty, full-flavored taste without being full-bodied. I love the smoky char notes. In fact, I love those smoky char notes across the board in coffee or spirits or cigars. It's like all the things I love about coffee are enhanced, but in Blue Mountain, the bitterness that and that processed sort of cheapness is gone. Years later, it would be my now-wife who introduced me to the many ways and styles of making coffee. It was the first time I spent the night at her place. The next morning, while she was showing me how to do a pour-over, it was then that I realized we used the same coffee. Royal Kona. Granted, it was the uh, mainland version and only 10% actual Kona beans, but we thought we was fancy. I had had Real Kona before, when uh, someone I once knew from the islands had some scent over, but my palate was so burned out on Tennessee whiskey, cheap wine, and even cheaper words, that I wasn't really able to appreciate it back then. Luckily, those memories were recorded over when my wife and I visited Hawaii and actually got to enjoy Real Kona coffee. I find it a bit lighter than coffees from the Caribbean, but again with that sense of refinement there's a nutty fruity component which admittedly is diminished a little because i prefer a darker roast and i make my coffee darker a few of the mornings in Kauai we took the Kohio highway north towards Kapa Beach um, sorry north towards Kapa Beach and ate breakfast outside of um, at the Java Kai where we fell in love with Kauai coffee as well going back to the caribbean we also get a lot of our coffee from Haiti where our catholic church has a sister parish All that to say, while Don Beach and Trader Vic were traversing the tropics looking for exotic flavors, they would have surely come across the wonders of local coffee beans. If not at the bars, then most presumably the next morning, as sampling the flavors of the islands from a glass has its effects on one's countenance. In this episode, we're going to explore the effects on our own countenances with one of Don the Beachcomber's earliest concoctions, the Flaming Coffee Grog. Ladies and gentlemen... My name is Tony, and this is Pod Tiki. Not only is Coffee Grog one of Don's earliest creations, dating all the way back to 1937, but it aptly shows his penchant to explore things no one else was doing. Only this master of misadventure could take something as ubiquitous as coffee and transform it into an exotic spectacle. And that's just what Don did. In the early days, he would personally perform the mixing of coffee grog, tableside with his garish alacrity. A pinch of spice, a steaming cup, and the Coupe de Gras, a flaming ladle of high spirit and rum, guaranteed to get one's spirits high. Ever the showman, this drink seemed to hold a special place for Don the Beachcomber. It seems to have been a favorite of patrons as well. After Don's unfortunate divorce from Sonny's son, through which she wriggled her way into majority ownership of Don's franchises, forcing him to rebrand his empire in Hawaii, coffee grog was one of the original drinks she kept on the menu. In fact, the reason we have the recipe today is thanks to one of Don's trusted inner circle, Dick Santiago, who perpetuated the integrity of Don's recipes after his, say, forced abdication. Now, we've talked about Dick on the show plenty of times before because in our genre, Dick Santiago stands tall. One might say when it comes to Tiki, our Dick commands respect, remains upright and rigid in the face of adversity. If you're new to the show, here's a brief catch-up on Mr. Santiago. Dick began work at Don the Beachcombers in 1937 after coming over from the Philippines. After being taken in and helped by a group of Filipinos during his struggling days, Don grew to admire their way of mixing drinks and using fresh fruits and coconuts, and since then he always hired Filipinos to work in his restaurants. Dick quickly rose (laughs) in the ranks and became something of a celebrity bartender befriending the Hollywood elite and setting precedents for future staff on how to tend and serve with intuition, wit, and when necessary, a level of discretion. Following the attack on Pearl Harbor, Dick Santiago felt the call to arms and found himself in the real tropics of Southeast Asia as an enlisted Marine. Don Beach was known for having real compassion for his staff, especially those he was close to. So when after the war, the state of California, let's say, actively discouraged a brown Asian from marrying a white woman, Don transferred Dick and his fiance to the Hawaii beachcomber location so that he could marry and still make a living. Eventually, Dick and his family returned stateside where he worked for Sonny a while longer before hanging up his floral shirt and pursuing an engineering degree. After his death, Dick Santiago's notebook resurfaced thanks to the work of Chief Jeff Beachbumberry, not Chief Jeff. Um, it's from this notebook that Jeff was able to decipher the original Don the Beachcomber recipes for some of the most iconic drinks to have ever chilled the inside of a tiki mug. Or, in the case of Coffee Grog, to warm one. Now, some can argue that when it comes to tiki, presentation is everything. And I don't totally disagree, but I'm usually good to recreate a ritual once or twice for an audience of one before regressing to just mixing it up and drinking it. When mixing up a coffee grog, though, it's hard to not get in the spirit of theatrics because of the process. Before we get into that, though, let's go over what we're going to need. Now, yeah, 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 a- any coffee mug will do. But this is tiki, damn it. I have a coffee, uh, a coffee tiki mug that I got in Hawaii that I use for hot drinks. It's the one that you see in the pictures when I do hot drinks. Uh, you could also use any specialty mug made for coffee cocktails. It needs to be at least 8 ounces, and it should be fancy. There isn't a lot of alcohol in this grog, as far as quantity, but the use of overproof demerara gives it that tiki kick. (laughs) As fun as the unique buzz from booze and caffeine can be, it can also be a dangerous combo. Just ask any party girl outside the club in the 2000s, crying on the curb holding one shoe and spit screaming at her friends about how he's such an asshole after consuming 5 Vodka Red Bull drinks. I recommend sticking to the modest amount in this recipe for your health and the health of those new heels. For the overproof, I used Plantation OFTD because that's what I had on hand. I alternate between that and Lemon Heart 151, which I know is the genre preference. But since I don't often use overproof, a bottle lasts me a very long time. And the OFTD is what is what I had last. The other rum Don calls for is Gold Jamaican. Now, I was fortunate enough to have some friends gift me a bottle of Appleton Estate Special from Jamaica. Um, It's their base model, if you will. It's a step under Signature Blend, as far as I'm looking at the price, but it's quite good and it fits the needs here, as I imagine Don's use of Gold Jamaican would refer to any lightly aged Jamaican rum. Uh, For stuff that's widely available here, I think Appleton Estate Signature Blend would be perfect. Now, technically, Ray and Nephew does make a Gold Jamaican Rum, but I've only seen it once and I've never had it, so I... Can't speak to it. Also, Hamilton Potstill Gold is a wonderful rum, but I wonder if it might be too funky because of the pot still and really not meld with the coffee good. The coffee part of Coffee Grog could really be any of your favorite. However, I do suggest using a good coffee. I like to use a local roaster if possible. Uh, here in Nashville, my go-to coffee shop is Frothy Monkey. I get the darkest roast they have, it's called Brute, and uh, I make it pour-over style. Like any good tiki drink, the quality of your ingredients can make it or break it. Uh, but again, as long as you're using a coffee you like and it's decent quality, and there's you know there's no need to break the bank. If I had my hands on some Kona or Blue Mountain, I might use one cup for grog just to say I tried it, and then save the rest for sipping. Um, I would say not to use too light of a roast and not to brew it too weak either, as it won't be able to hold up to the other flavors. And I hope this goes without saying, but for heaven's sake, please do. Don seems to have loved using specialty batters in hot drinks. Um, I see uh, our hot butter rum episode from this time last year, actually. Seems to be a trend of us doing hot drinks in January. Uh, They're really less of a batter the way he makes it, though, and more of a thick, sweet cream. Uh, To make coffee grog batter, we need to cream one ounce of unsalted butter with one ounce of orange blossom honey, one teaspoon of cinnamon syrup, and then a half teaspoon each of vanilla syrup and pimento liqueur. I speak from experience when I say, make sure to let your butter soften before mixing. It's such a small amount that I decided to cream it by hand, uh, but my butter was still cold. So there I was on the sofa watching the bear with my wife, hand churning for 45 minutes. No chef, one star, do not recommend. Ideally, one of those little hand mixers is what you need. Um, The rest of the recipe is uh, a litany of tiki incidentals. Ground nutmeg, clove, and cinnamon, orange and grapefruit peel, sugar cube, and a cinnamon stick. Oh, and one more thing, a metal ladle. I like to get all the ingredients set up on the counter so I can do my best theatrical Don Beach impression. This drink is all in the process, so here's the recipe, and then we'll get to the process. One sugar cube, one pinch of cinnamon, one pinch of clove, one pinch of nutmeg. Three strips of orange peel, one strip of grapefruit peel, one cinnamon stick, one teaspoon coffee grog batter, six ounces steaming hot coffee, half ounce gold Jamaican rum, half ounce one fifty one demerara rum. Okay, so here's here goes. In your specialty coffee mug, place the sugar cube in the bottom, then sprinkle in the spices, drop in the peels, and scoop in the batter. Pour hot coffee or hot coffee over it all, and stir till the batter dissolves. It'll make a nice brown foam on the surface. Now, this next part is better to do with the lights out. Add the rums to a metal ladle and light them up. As you pour the rums into the mug, a brilliant blue flame will streak down, followed by a few flaming droplets. It's pretty cool. Hey, when I said this thing was a flaming grog, I wasn't referring to its flamboyant personality. And growing up in Orlando, Florida, I've known of my share of flaming grogs. Now, give it another quick fanciful stir, drop in the cinnamon stick, And voila, serve. Before we dive into tasting notes, for the sake of my own conscience, I need to admonish, please, if you've already had a few, are in a tight space, wearing loose sleeves or hair, or generally not comfortable with flammables, do not play with fire. It's perfectly acceptable to simply mix the rums into the drink normally. Okay, now that that's out of the way, holy crap, this is delicious. We run across this so much in Tiki, which is a statement to the prowess of Don and Vic, where all of these crazy flavors come together to make something so uniquely tertiary that there's no way to describe it or compare it to anything else. Imagine good black coffee and all the flavors that come with that, plus holiday spice creaminess accented with fruity bitterness, all bolstered by rich tropical rums. The clove, nutmeg, and honey butter fusion give the drink such a texture without being greasy. Um, Orange and grapefruit seem weird to me at first, but they add a bittersweet dissonance that's yet somehow congruent to the overall experience. Meanwhile, those flavors are playing checkers while the coffee is playing 3D chess, holding the whole thing together. I can't believe how much I enjoy this drink. Not since Four loco has the fusion of alcohol and caffeine turned such a dolorous bunch into the life of the party. It's like Don Beach took hot buttered rum, navy grog, and toddies and kamikaze them all together like a middle schooler at the soda fountain, but with the caress of exotica escapism. Because this drink really does taste not of this place. A wanton waning of wistful wherewithal. A bushel of bereavement over barren Bacchanal. A porous portion of pious panache. Okay, I'll stop. Whether we're gearing up for an evening of mercurial misadventure or reeling in the revels, we should all aspire to spirit our way through this wild existence with the excitement for life that Don the Beachcomber performed into every making of Coffee Grog. Just remember to blow out your flame before you hurt someone. Sources for this episode can be found under the blog post for this at podtiki.com. If some of these recipes seem interesting but you don't catch all the ingredients or processes during the show, remember you can always visit podtiki.com and click the recipe index tab for all the recipes we discuss. Make sure you follow us across all our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and we are now on threads, of course, if you want to check that out. Just search podtiki. It's at pod underscore tiki on Instagram, and I believe that will take you to the other two. Oh, the link for that is in our bio page. There's a bio site with all the links to everything on there. Um, the Patreon. $3 a month to support your favorite Tiki show. Um, I'm not one to beg. I don't really like asking for money, but if uh, I do have to keep this thing afloat somehow um, for the website and the ingredients. And going into this new year, I'm going to be plugging the Patreon a lot more, trying to get people on there. Uh, spread the word if you like the show. Like I said, it's only three dollars a month, and as far as perks go, if you are a YouTube watcher, then um, you probably have already seen the episode of Inside the Mug, which is our behind-the-scenes show where I talk about um, things that maybe went about the episode that I didn't get to put into the the podcast, or maybe some personal events that I that I you know that were, didn't really weren't really relevant, you know side, you know. Uh, what they call that oblique sort of events that sort of tie in but don't really but stories I wanted to tell, or maybe um, a lot of times I end up uh, having some different views on the drink after like a week goes by and I and I have it again. So some so that's the that's called inside the mug. That was our video YouTube show. Um, the YouTube presence was not really where I saw a lot of my um, a lot of my fans going, and there's already so many good YouTube people out there doing drink mixing and tiki things um, with a lot better production and, and things than I do. I'm going to focus my energy on the audio podcast, which is with uh, uh, the main thing. And uh, and uh, perhaps in the future, I will go back to YouTube with something different than just a, uh, you know, a, a, a ranting talk show type thing. Maybe I'll come back with, uh, you know, maybe I'll do something. But... I the news is that the Inside the Mug is now going to be a Patreon-only show. And not only am I going to continue with the behind-the-scenes stuff, it's also going to be a tasting show. When I do Inside the Mug, I'm going to have Mrs. Potiki or my good friend Chris, if you've seen on the podcast before, um, and various people from around town. What I'm going to do is I'm going to have them come on, I'm going to make them the drink, and I'm going to get the honest first-time reaction from somebody else that I make the drink for. So... That's going to be the new version of Inside the Mug. So please stay tuned for that. Um, first one is going to be on this coffee grog. I'm planning on recording with my wife probably this weekend, as I record this on January 20th, and it should be out sometime in the next week or two. Um, that will I'm going to try to f- I'm going to try to have it so that a a show comes out every two weeks, and um, whether it's the main show or the Patreon show. And then, uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much for supporting the Patreon. Those of you who are on it, I'm going re- to remember you. And as soon as uh, we get a nice chunk in there, I'm going to make sure I do something for the fans that were there from the beginning. Uh, yeah, so that is what's going on in the new year here. I want to thank you all so much for listening. Uh, again, my name is Tony. This has been PodTiki. Keep it Tiki.